educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us on your drive home today. It's Tuesday, November 21st. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan, who's currently on Thanksgiving vacation, Johnny. How about that? He's uh, down where it's a lot warmer than it is here. What? So, Johnny, you said, you said what's the question going to be for you? What's your Thanksgiving plan? What's my Thanksgiving plan? Yeah. We're two days away. That's true. I'll be together with uh, my best friend. Enjoying Thanksgiving. And will you see your mom? I hope so. I haven't had plans figured out with that yet, but we'll... It's a holiday, so i got to figure something out for time to see her. Right. So. Well, that's Johnny Cadillac, executive, executive producing the show. He's punching the buttons, making the sound all good right here in the studio. I'm going to be here um, through tomorrow uh, as Dan's gone. And then we've got a lot of Husker sports action going on. We've got the football game against Iowa. Please, one more win so we can go to the bowl game. Uh, Husker Volleyball taking on Wisconsin again. It'll be another tough matchup. That's also on Friday as well, so we'll keep you up to tune on or up to date on all of that. Uh, if you want to join the conversation today, you're welcome to. You can always call in uh, or text 402-479-1400. I had a great uh, Sunday. I want a big shout-out to Keaton Johnson and Ellie Blymeister. They, um, uh, they got married on Sunday. I was able to participate in that, and that was fun. Uh, we had a great time. A lot of great people from around the city uh, at that wedding and it was just fun to get together and just celebrate and it was a different one because it was a Sunday night so Sunday night weddings are a little bit different you know they don't necessarily go as long as normal and people don't usually drink as much because they got to get up on Mondays but we still had a great time so I just want to wish them the best uh, really as they kick things off and then they're going down I don't know somewhere in the Caribbean for their honeymoon so that's probably a lot better than here speaking of the weather it's 42 degrees here it looks like it's going to be pretty decent tomorrow about 60 uh, then back into the th- 40s and 30s and i don't think the snow is going to impact us until saturday so at least we'll uh have the game uh hopefully in some good decent condition all right well we've got a great show coming up uh this afternoon the second half of the show we're going to be joined by congressman don bacon there's a lot going on in the national political scene we're going to talk about uh the national budget uh, kind of where everything is with the debt limits uh politically obviously we have um elections coming up next year don's part of that process we're going to find out where he stands on that along with the war in Israel uh, and just seeing where our troops are. You know, they've been getting, I don't know, uh, 60-plus attacks from Syria and Iraq, and we want to make sure that they're taken care of. He's going to have firsthand, um, you know, really information for us to be able to see where they're doing. So we're going to unpack all of that uh, with Congressman Bacon here in just a few minutes. But for right now, we're joined in the studio with our monthly check-in with Tom Beckius, the chair of the Lincoln City Council, and he's also brought a buddy with him. Uh, David carries in. David is the director of planning. Planning, uh, of the planning department, and we're just excited to have you guys in. So, Tom uh, and David, welcome to uh, the show. Doug, thanks for having us. We're, we're grateful to be here, uh, and uh, I'm grateful to have David join us here today yeah. in the studio and talk about uh, something that we're working on together. Yeah, so we'll get to that in a second. But, David, I, first, would you just kind of share with our audience who you are, you know, where you came from, and what you currently do for the city of Lincoln. I think it's uh, you, you're doing a great job, and I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Very happy to be here today. Uh, David Carey, I'm the director of the planning department, so we are involved in a lot of the development that happens in the community and looking out into the future about uh, how we want to plan for the future and what we want the Lincoln and Lancaster County to be like in the future and try to do our best every day. We've got a great city. 
growing city, people coming into the city. Expansion, it seems like everywhere, if you're driving around the perimeter of town, there's always some kind of growth and development going on. I'm sure that's kept you busy. What's the future? What's it look like? Does it look like we're going to continue that that pace of growth? I know in other cities around the country, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of suppressed a little bit, but it doesn't seem like that's happening here. Yeah, that's right. We're not really slowing down. Um, I would say maybe over the last few years, it's kind of changed a little bit where we, we're having a lot more infill development. So downtown and some of the existing parts of the city, but we're still growing outward as well. And so, yeah, we grow every year. We're very consistent with our growth, and we just want to do it the best way possible and efficiently as possible. Well, I can't remember what you just said. I forgot the phrase you just said, but it's a city we all want to be part of. You know, we love this city. We love this town. And and a big part of that is the planning for the future growth of it. So thanks for all the work you do, and I'm sure you've got a great staff that helps you out. Yeah, I'm, I'm here because of my staff. That's great. That's, <laughs> that's how it works. So, All right, Tom, let's talk about you have an initiative with uh, commercial parking. I think it's going to have a huge impact on our business community, also our commercial community as well. So why don't you share with us a little bit more about that? You share with it uh, with it, uh, me today about it, and I did a little bit uh, just briefly looking over your outline of that, but I'd love to hear more because I think it's really going to impact our city. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the proposal that, that we've been working on, I've been working on in, in connection with David as well and, and his team there at the planning department, uh, what that proposal is, is really modernizing Lincoln's commercial parking standards. So right now, you build a building, you uh, you know develop out some space, there are certain parking standards that you're required to meet in the city of Lincoln right now. And sometimes those parking standards are above and beyond what we really need or what a business owner really needs, what a what development that, really needs. What would that look like? So if I was starting a business today... Yeah. Um, what would the parking requirements be? How does that work? So it, it varies depending on what kind of business that you have. But say, for example, you might be, you know, if you're a retailer, or you might be required to have three, uh, one parking space per 300 square feet of shopping space that you have, for example. There's, there's a parking matrix that we use in the community that helps uh, determine what those parking standards are. But you have to remember, parking's not an exact science, right? Right. So we've had parking standards in the city of Lincoln since 1950. Actually, so it goes back quite a while, but you know those standards are based upon um, trends, but they're also based upon best estimates, right? Uh, sometimes those estimates are great, sometimes they're not. And so what we want to do is actually move towards a proposal of eliminating those minimum parking um, requirements. So in in the majority of not all, but the majority of business uh, commercial. Uh, commercial business districts um, so that uh, we can make more efficient use of space, so we can drive more economic development, so we can allow those developers and small business owners and large business owners to right-size their parking lots um, and get the most efficient use of space and uh, city infrastructure that we really can. You know, it's not going to change things drastically because Lincoln's still going to continue to be a parking-centric community. That's not going to change, right? I mean, you're going to drive, right. I'm going to drive. <laughs> right. That's not going to change. And so the incentive is really going to still be there for the business owner to provide adequate parking for their customers. Customers, but which is what they want. Which is they want they, the, they want their customers they in. They need. Yeah, it. yeah, it's exactly what they need. Um, and so what we're doing is we're spending this this month uh, going around talking to different uh, constituencies, talking to different groups, um, and uh, sharing this information about um, you know this proposal. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a, a really good change for us. 
Um, and we've, we've got a lot of information that shows that we don't need to have as much parking as what we've been building over the years. So it, it's something that I, that that's it's time to do this, and we're excited about it. So why don't you share with us, then what are the benefits? Because now what you're, you're, you're unpacking this a little bit f- for me, and I'm better understanding it, and you're saying, you know, maybe we don't need as much parking as we're requiring our businesses to do. That kind of sounds like maybe some savings financially for the businesses and for, for the maybe landlords as well of these of these organizations what are the benefits yeah i mean it, it, you can start with the fact that you a, a project won't have to put as much money into the the physical improvements so less parking in in a general sense and that's going to trickle down to everyone that's involved in that commercial entity um, and the other thing is that we we really feel strongly that this is going to allow for some redevelopment to happen and reinvestment in some existing areas because all that parking that has been there for many years not all of it's going to be needed anymore and so you might see some things like a new pad site show up in an older commercial area that otherwise wouldn't have been able to be done there. So those types of things is what we'll see over time. I was um, actually <laughs> I was at a strip mall area uh, today, about 48th and Calvert, and there's a there's a parking area behind that most people don't even see. It's kind of low, and it's pro- I don't I would guesstimate. 60 80 stalls like it's huge down there and there's it's there's no need for it nobody parks there at all now i'm starting to understand you could take that land then potentially with what you're proposing and continue to develop that to help in that area right exactly and i mean <clears throat> i never thought about that before i had so I, we had a client come in today and say why is there such a big parking lot back here now i'm understanding right and so you have sort of you know what i kind of think in my head is sort of small scale examples but also large scale examples. Yeah, so that's on, a small one. So on the small one, for example, if if you're you know, a mom and pop shop and you're expanding, you're growing, you know, you've been blessed and your business is growing. Uh, you might need a little bit more space, but you have more parking than you need. And so it doesn't make sense to maybe expand your building into that parking lot instead of having to relocate. Right. Instead of having to oh, move. I never thought about right? that either. And then, you know, on a on a larger scale, you know, if you're a big if you're a big big box, you know, like a, a Lowe's, a Walmart, a Costco, something like that. You know, if if you don't really truly need all of that parking because our shopping habits are starting to change and we're right. noticing that, right? If you don't need all That's that true. parking, you know, is it really an opportunity to create additional pad sites out in those large scale parking lots, you know, to put a fast food drive through or another strip um, center with a couple of of businesses in there you know so i think those are sort of prime examples as to what we're looking at because you got to remember you know the people how we shop now is starting to change it the, is the pandemic really i never thought that about up, that but right right, right? I, mean, I mean for a lot of folks you're starting to see retailers like walmart and hy-vee you know their drive-through pickup lanes they're reconfiguring some of their stores to 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 cater to that market yep. right um, and so that's fewer people in the store. That's fewer shopping uh, spaces needed. It's it's a different setup, and we just want to make sure that we're staying on top of those changes, uh, so that businesses can really take uh, full benefit of of those cost savings. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah and it will also allow um, private businesses to make market decisions and make make decisions for themselves more on how they want their their sites to be laid out. And I think that's an important point to make with this as well, is that it's really putting that decision-making power in the hands of the private sector, which we think they're going to do what's best for their business, so we can trust them to do that. Yeah. Doug, one thing I do want to make sure that your your listeners know of is that um, this proposal that we were talking about really is impacting um, 
sort of the outer edges of Lincoln most. So the core of the city of Lincoln, those shopping districts in the core of Lincoln are much closer to their residential neighbors. And so we are actually not proposing these changes in those shopping centers. It's a you get down into the weeds it's it's based right. on zoning district right, is what right. it is but those zoning those commercial areas that are closer to the urban core of the city those are actually not going to be impacted because they don't have the same separation from their residential neighbors as newer shopping areas do so this proposal still covers about 95% of commercial zoning districts so the vast majority of them but in the the urban core where shopping centers are really close to their residential neighbors um, these impacts will not go into effect because we don't want to negatively impact those neighborhoods right right um, and so we're trying to be very very cognizant of that I want to make sure your listeners yeah, know that. that's really good it's 520 and we're talking with the chair of the Lincoln City Council Tom Beckius and also director of planning um, David Carey uh, here on 1499.3 KLIN. Uh, I want to shift gears. We just have a few minutes left. I want to shift. I want to hopefully talk about a couple of things. First of all, Tom, I had uh, texted you earlier today um, in regards to a lot of utility work that's happening um, and it's impacting businesses. I'm part of a business where today the entrance to the parking, speaking of parking, um, what, what the utility work started happening, the entryway was tore up, and the landowner and also the business owners had no idea that it was happening. And so we had to do rerouting of our customers and clients coming in to the business. I also heard that there was, you know, uh, uh, down south, the same thing was happening around a physician's office uh, to a client that we had coming in talking about, hey, we just have a utility work and we're trying to do the same thing, navigate people around. Where are we at with that? Because this is really impacting businesses. We've seen some businesses close because of lack of the customer base to be able to get into the store. Um, it just seems like that, and I know that there's been some changes to that. I know down in the Uni place, I think there we put some work on hold, correct? Kind of because of that. But where are we in that process? So we always try to do our best to notify people each and every time that there is construction. Uh, new underground work going on because we don't want businesses to be negatively impacted or be surprised through that process. Now, sometimes that work is city of Lincoln work, but sometimes that works also aloe. Gosh, do you remember when aloe yep. was digging up everyone's yard? Our neighborhood was one of the first. Right? <laughs> it was a mess. So sometimes you got aloe, sometimes you got windstream, sometimes you got the city of Lincoln if we're working on water, if we're working on sewer, uh, if we're working on roads, uh, things like that. But we try to do our best to, to notify folks that's that's really important to us to make sure that that occurs is it always perfect no it's not um, but what we also try to do as the city of Lincoln when and when it's our work that we're doing is actually make it as efficient and cost savings as possible so you know for example when we look at work that we need to do whether it's replacing a water main and then maybe doing a, a mill and overlay on a road you know we try to, to join those those functions together as best we can so we're digging once we're tearing up streets once because that's really efficient for the the taxpayer um, but we also know sometimes that's not easy on the business that's impacted there too right. um, and so it's a balancing act and that's always tough um, you know at the end of the day what we try to do is really try to um, maximize our efficiency when it comes to spending those dollars uh, making sure that we're getting in and getting out one time if we can um, but you know you brought up the North 48th Street project we did 
we did put that on pause um, because we were, were hearing from business owners in that area that, that they wanted to see a pause there. So we, we did that um, to try to give them a little bit of relief because that was, that's a big project. I mean, we're sure. talking replacement of water mains almost in a mile. Uh, almost a total mile of replacement of water mains. It's a it's a big multi-million dollar project. We try to do that as efficiently as possible as the city, but sometimes that that's tough. That's really tough on a business owner. We try to be cognizant of that. You know, in in that circumstance, we made sure that the side streets were were nicely refreshed and redone so that folks could park on the side streets while North 48th Street was being um, impacted there. Um, but you know, it's never perfect. Um, and you know, throughout that process, I actually got, you know, emails, my peers got emails from business owners wanting us to pay their rent, running, wanting this, this, the city to pay for things, um, that we don't feel like is our responsibility, you know, and I don't think that, that taxpayers have an expectation that when we do city municipal work, um, upgrading a street, for example, um, while that obviously has an impact on a business that we wouldn't necessarily shell out dollars to that business to, um, to um, facilitate that process for them. Well, it might be, and you know, this whole thing going on, it, it, this, and you putting a pause and listening to business owners uh, as well, uh, just might be a great opportunity to learn, to continue to grow, to continue to develop communication. Hey, before we close things out, officer-involved shooting, um, we had talked about that before we started the show. Um, you know, uh, any words in regards to that to our police force? We love what they do. We appreciate the protection they provide. This guy was, you know, potentially getting, you know, the guy was trying to run him over, run over our officer and hit, hit, and hit a cruiser. Yep. Uh, just any words in regards to that? Well, you know, I'm always thankful for the work that the Lincoln Police Department does for our community. And I'm, I'm frankly very um, glad that our that our officer is safe. Um, that was a not an easy situation for our officer to be in. Um, from the initial reports I've heard so far, it sounds as though things were were um, in, in accordance with with regulation. And I'm uh, frankly just very happy that our officer is safe. Yeah. It's all good. Well, Tom, David, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I know it was a quick show and it goes really fast, uh, but I appreciate the information. It was really good and really helpful as we well. We appreciate it, Doug. Yeah, yep. Thank you very much. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. You too. All right. It is 525. You're listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's 528. 42 degrees here in Lincoln. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan today. That was a great conversation with David and Tom. I appreciate them coming in. If you missed it, go back and check out the Dan Parsons Show podcast and uh, listen about all the planning and development that's going on to really impact and grow and develop our city. Well, hey, do you want to win 15 grand? I haven't heard much about this, Johnny. $15,000 in the Stuffing Your Pockets sweepstakes. Who doesn't want 15000 It's brought to you by KLIN. If you want to register for that, it's really easy. Go to our website, KLIN.com. You put your name and email address. That's it. And uh, there will be a drawing for $15,000, which I know will help a lot of people during the holidays. All right, Husker Sports. A lot of stuff going on this weekend. Uh, game day on Friday. The Huskers taking on Iowa. We just need one more win. Just one. So we can go to a ball game. All right? Pre-game starts at at 7 o'clock in the morning with kickoff at 11 a.m. right here on KLIN. And also uh, tomorrow, Friday Husker Tailgate 
on a Wednesday. How about that? With Jack, Caleb, and Mark, they're going to break down the whole game for us so that we know exactly what's happening and their prediction on what's happening with the game as well. Also, coming up in the second half of the show, we'll be joined by Congressman Don Bacon. You know, there's a lot going on in the political scene. Uh, we've got some intense topics to talk about and unpack with him. We're going to talk about the national budget, the whole debt mess that's going on, uh, the Israel-Hamas war, including how our troops are doing in Syria, plus the upcoming election and a lot more. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Uh, Congressman Bacon is really going to be helpful in helping us understand that. Well, up next is Fox News and KLIN News with Chase Porter. You're listening to 1499.3 KLIN. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's 537. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan today and tomorrow. He's going to be back next week. He's enjoying his Thanksgiving holiday off, and we appreciate Dan uh, just really actually yesterday giving us kudos, right, John? He was taking care of us, and uh, we appreciate Dan and appreciate all he does for our city uh, and really keeping us cool. If you want to join the conversation today, um, you're always welcome. You can simply text or call in 402-479-1400, and we can have a chat with you. All right, well, right now we're joined on the phone by Congressman Don Bacon. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Hey, Doug, thank you for having me on. And i got to tell you, after 10 weeks in Washington, D.C., I am darn glad to be home. <laughs> well, good. I was going to ask about your holiday and how that all works. So you're home now for how long? Through uh, next Monday, then we go back to D.C. But we had 10 weeks straight. I came home during most of the weekends, but that's sort of unheard of. You normally do three or four weeks in D.C., but the weekend's back home. Then you get a week back home where you, you meet constituents. But we went 10 weeks straight, and I wow. don't like to say I kept my tempers under our hold, but a lot of people, their tempers were out of control. We had <laughs> people threatening fistfights and elbowing people, and you just name it. It was it felt like I was in high school. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Since you've already brought that up, I, I, there's a clip that I want to I want to play because we've got obviously election years coming up. Um, the next 12 months are going to fly by, including your campaign as well. Um, Texas Representative Chip Roy got on his high horse, and this is kind of all over social media, just talking about and criticizing the GOP. And I'm going to play this clip, and then Congressman, would you kind of just maybe from your standpoint and really being involved in D.C. kind of help us understand better what's going on? Here. Johnny? And then do nothing about it. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. Anybody sitting in the complex, if you want to come down to the floor and come explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides. Well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats. There we go, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, Congressman, What uh, do you have one thing to tell Congressman Roy? <laughs> well, we did. We did. First of all, we got a Republican House by four seats, a Democrat Senate with a two-seat majority for, for the Democrats, a four-seat majority in the House, a Democrat president. Some of these guys act like we control the whole thing. And it's just not realistic. You know, they need to read the Federalist Papers. With a divided government and a bicameral, three-branch government, it was meant to force consensus. But these guys want to demand 100%. If it's not good, it's not 100%, then they fight it at every step of the way and say, well, gee, we didn't get anything done. I will say this about Chip Roy. He's one of the guys that does negotiate 
with the leadership in the House, the Republican leadership, and he is willing to negotiate, but he sets the bar high where I would say it's very hard to achieve his objectives. And if you don't hit his objective, uh, he will oppose it, and then it means you get nothing passed because we only have a four-seat majority, and then he complains nothing's getting done. But I would say some of the other Republicans, they will not agree to anything. And it's just a shame. You've got to... You've got to be able to make a deal if you're going to work in Washington and divide a government. Is it? And so we did get a, we did get a two trillion dollar reduction in spending under Kevin McCarthy. Now under Chip Roy, they, he said that wasn't good enough. Two trillion was the biggest cut we have ever had, ever. And but it wasn't good enough. And I think that's the, that sort of tells the story uh, right there that nothing was ever good enough for some, for about twenty of these folks. And yet we look, we have a divided government, and they just act like the Democrat. The Senate Democrats are going to roll over. They're not. Uh, you got to make a deal, and you're going to just you're going to get some of what you want. You're not going to get everything you want. Do you see any changes in the future? I mean, with the it, like I said, from from the outside looking in, at least from what we hear from reports and stuff, it just seems like everything's discombobulated in the GOP. It just seems like every you know from budgeting, you can't even come together with the budget and the yeah. debt limits and the ceilings and all this stuff. Now we're talking about elections coming up, and the next twelve months is going to be nuts. I mean, it's going to be, and now it just seems like infighting constantly. Do you see a change coming in the future? Well, one of the things you see in the Republicans that we are more independent. Minded uh, the Democrats, even if they disagreed with Speaker Pelosi, would line up behind her and was sort of whatever she said. They, were, they by and large, pretty much did. Uh, what we have going on in the House side right now with a four-seat majority out of 435 people, that is the key to think about. We have 435 members of Congress, and there's a four-seat majority. That gives a lot of power to any five people who want to do their own thing. And frankly, we're not unified in the Republican Party. We have two parties within. We have the Reagan Republicans, traditional Republicans that you know, believe in federalism, peace through strength, uh, pro-life, family's most important uh, institution in our, our country, uh, free, free markets, you know, those traditional Republican values. And then you have a little more of the populist brand that are more isolationist now, and in some cases become a, a bit anti-law enforcement. And so we're, you, you, if you divide those two parts of our party, we are not the majority. And that's what makes this so hard. And we have 20 folks who have driven most legislation as conservative as they can make. And they, uh, what they determine as conservative, I would say. To, and our leadership has tried to get – it takes 218 votes to get anything out of the House, out of 435. And so they've tried to accommodate the hard 20 for conservatives to get 218. But just to a point where you then you lose a lot of the New York Republicans who – are much more, and they're in Democrat districts. Heck, I'm in a district that went by, for Biden by seven, right? Yeah. Yep. Some, some of these guys are in Biden 15 seats, and yet the legislation is being written by Republicans who won in seats that Trump won by 25 points. And that's sort of the issue going on here. I just, I, we got to have reasonable expectations and a four seat majority, and some of these folks do not. And, and a lot of these folks, like Chip, they would rather attack Republicans. Not doing what they want versus attacking the Democrats who, on a sense. So I mean, it's we 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 are discombobulated, as you say. And and I'm a team player. I've learned in the Air Force. I commanded five times. You, if you can get eighty percent of what you want, work as a team and maximize what you can get. But if you want to demand a hundred percent, you're going to get zero. And I wish we had twenty or thirty other Republicans that that knew that.
Well, well, speaking of that, you know, we've got the election year coming up this next year. Um, you're going to you have your own election going on as well, uh, your own race. Uh, I read uh, earlier today, Democrats said that they're going to plan on making abortion a key issue in the 2024 race against the Republicans. And you're one of the few Republicans really supporting a federal ban, according uh, to the reports that I read in a district where, like you said, Biden, uh, Biden won. How does your race stack up? Where, where do you see the differences between? you and Vargas and um, and it, do you really sense this idea that they really are going to throw abortion uh, in the forefront? Well, I think Tony lost his election partially to this last time. He put, he put all his marbles on abortion and he's doing it again. And our district's 50-50. You know, he ran all these abortion ads, pro-abortion. By the way, he, he supports zero restrictions until birth. A minute before birth, in Tony Vargas's world, it's still legal. But he's running all these ads on abortion. In our district, 50-50, we have a large Catholic community and evangelical community. And so I would walk into churches, and a lot of these folks didn't even know me. That way they knew my name. But they were so angry at Tony Vargas because of his ads. So he was pissing off more people, as many people as he was motivating, I would say, in our district. He acts like we're, you know, he's from New York City. That's where he was raised. That's it. And he's got a close friendship in Hakeem Jeffries' office from those New York City roots. He acts like we're from New York City that's you know, heavily pro-choice oriented or, or what you see in California. We're not California. We're not New York. We're Omaha, Nebraska with a large community of uh, faith out here. Uh, and also he uses those terms that I support a federal ban. Let's be can- candid. With a filibuster in the Senate, you're not going to get significant pro-life or pro-choice legislation passed because you've got to get 60 votes in the Senate. And so I have said that I would support a 20-week you know, ban or a 15-week ban even because I know our district. Our district, when I poll, the average person wants a 12- to 15-week ban on abortion. Even pro-choice people I talk to say, down on pro-choice, but a 12-week ban is smart, right, because they're human. And they know that there's, there's a baby in there and there's humanity. And to wait till 24 weeks or 28 weeks, it's just it's, it's, most people see the morality or the lack of morality or the lack of humanity there. And so our district is 12 to 15 week restriction. And so when I said I would support a, a you know, a 15 or 20 week, that's well within what our district would support. But you know, the, you won't hear that, that qualifier from Tony Parker. So they'll say a ban, uh, which insinuates, you know, the, you know, up until the, you know, the day of conception, but it will never be supported with a filibuster. So we got to be realistic. A late-term abortion legislation, it'd be about the best we can get done out of Congress. So therefore, most legislation in our country is going to be at the state level uh, where, where you don't have the filibuster issues as much. And that's just reality. And so what Nebraska did this past year going to 12-week restriction, that's where most Nebraskans are at. That's where Omaha is at. And uh, so I think the our unicameral won't where the will of the people were at, and I support it. Well, it's 547. We're talking with Congressman Don Bacon on 1499.3 KLIM. Let's let's talk about the presidential side of things. It looks like Trump leads among the Republicans by about 58 points or so over Biden, uh, over Biden as well. Nikki Haley is making a surge. Um, do you have a current endorsement uh, at all right now for president? Do you, is there anyone that you see in the race right now from the Republican side that you would uh, support and back? But, you know, I've not uh, made an endorsement, so I'll just say that right up front. And I, I believe in the traditional Republican, you know, Reagan-type values. And I would say that if I had to, when I listen to the debates, 
know, the person I do resonate most with is Nikki Haley. And I also find her to be honest. I heard her, I heard all the candidates speak uh, with the Republican Jewish Coalition, and I find she's willing to say things that maybe aren't popular, but it's what she thinks is truthful and honest. And I appreciate someone that's not just chasing poll numbers and trying to, you know, say whatever it takes to win an election. I, I find her to be truthful. I like her record from South Carolina as the governor, and her, I thought she was a great ambassador under President Trump. So I would say her her messaging aligns with me the most. If I've not made an endorsement, and and I obviously I want we can't take four more years of Joe Biden. Uh, frankly, his what he's done with the economy, and a lot of people don't. They, a lot of Democrats don't understand this. He doesn't understand it. He says, "How can you knock the economy? We have record low unemployment." Now, and they don't realize that the average American has lost almost 5% of their purchasing power due to inflation. Wages have st- stayed behind inflation. So the average American has lost $1.20, which means they can buy less food. They're having a hard time paying utilities. And they're, they're in denial in the White House right now. And that is the biggest driver of angst and anger in our country is that right there. They also see what's going on in the world, a lack of leadership, you know, whether it start, started with Afghanistan. They were catering to Iran, who's, who has armed Hamas. You know, they, they have taken the, their, neck, their, their boots off the neck of Iran, and they're allowing all these oil exports now, exports now from Iran. And that's funding Hamas, the Hezbollah, and all these terrorists. So Americans see this. They see what's going on at the border, and they're angry. So we, definitely, we need a conservative Republican in the White House. Uh, and and that's what we're, we're pursuing. Now, I, I do fear where we're headed uh, with the two leaders on both sides. You see that they have the highest negatives as well. So I'm not sure. How, I don't know what's going to look like uh, come around next May or June after these primaries. I'm not sure what we have at the top of the polls will be where we're at. Five or six months from now, will you? So are you, so? Will you support no matter who the nom- nominee is for the Republican Party? I'm not going to go down that. I okay. I will not say that because I support the policies of of President Trump. I worry about the judgment and the and the treating how other folks how he treats other people. So I have concerns there. You know, like the other day, you're calling people vermin. That's not that's not presidential. So I, I have my concerns. I want to. I'm going to have to, before I go there, I'm going to want to watch him, and, he, and I want to see improvements with how he treats people, and it's the self-control, uh, impulse control. Uh, and so that's, so I, w- I want to watch and see an improvement before I go before I, I commit to that. You bet. That's fair. Hey, you're part of the House Armed Services Committee, and according to the Pentagon, and I want to switch topics here a little bit to the wars going on, um, the Iranian-backed militants have launched 64 attacks as of today, I believe, on bases and facilities housing U.S. personnel uh, in Iraq and Syria um, since the October 17th um, really launch of this whole war. And of those, 30 have been in Iraq and 34 in Syria. Give us an assessment of what's going on right now where you think things are headed, and uh, how, and 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 also the protection of our military, because our military are the ones at the front. You know, it seems like now we're in the front lines of all this, and a lot of yep. our con- you know, listeners here are just concerned about them because we have. I even have a family member that's part of the army and involved in Syria, so I'm concerned about that as well. So, what's your current assessment? Well, you're right. Sixty-four attacks, and we have countered 
counterattacked four times, I think, as of today. I think we did attack in the last 24 hours. So let's back up. President Trump did have Iran largely on his knees. He choked their exports, froze all their assets. And what does President Biden do on day one? He, he releases the pressure off their oil exports, has released some of their assets back to him. And this one, he goes right back into terrorism. He, is, he has been trying to cater or coddle Iran and with the hope of, one, getting back in the, the nuclear agreement. And, it, and what he has, he's he strengthened Iran's economy and their ability to support terrorism. Hamas is armed and funded by Iran. Hezbollah is armed and funded by Iran. And so when, they, when these attacks occurred on October 7th from Hamas and Israel, killing 1,200 Israelis and 36 Americans, what, once Israel started going in to do its, its counterattack, Iran has used its proxies to attack America 64 times. And we've counterattacked four times only. And what did we attack? We attacked outposts with their paramilitary with their proxy forces, not even Iranian, uh, in Syria, and, and largely in Syria. Iran does not respect that. If we want to get their attention, you're going to have to punch them in the nose. And what, you know, President Trump did that with Soleimani, right? And I thought that was, and it was way overdue, and I'm glad he did it. But we're going to have to teach Iran, you do not attack Americans. If you're going to do it, you're going to pay a heavy price. And so they've not hit them, hit Iran where it hurts. And I think Iran's laughing at us right now with these minor strikes in Syria after 64 attacks against American forces. Uh, the, I, mean, I call on the administration. They're going to have to raise their game, and they're going to have to make deterrence work. And you make deterrence work by showing you have the will and the capabilities to make it hurt back. And right now, they just that credibility is not there from the Iranian perspective. Well, Congressman Bacon, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your candidness. It's nice to have just a forthright conversation, honesty, transparency, what's going on. We appreciate the work that you're doing. Wish you a happy Thanksgiving and a thanks again for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Doug, and I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. It's 554. We're going to take our final break here before we wrap things up. You are listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499.3 KLIN. Listening to the Dan Parsons Show on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Well, at five fifty seven, currently forty two degrees in Lincoln. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Doug Fitzgerald, filling in for Dan. I'll be back tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow's show, really excited about this. I don't know, you know, if you've been keeping up with uh, lots that's going on just mentally across our country, but mental illness is really impacting people. Our, um, you know, the 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 in the profession of counseling, they've just been swamped. Uh, I've been, you know, I've had several counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists on my show and on uh, here on KLIM. And every time I get on, they say, please don't promote what we do, you know, because I like to promote their websites and their phone numbers, call them up, you know, and I'll get them business. And they're like, we're so swamped, we can't handle any new business. That brings in the brand new nonprofit called the Biblical Counseling Center. And I'm excited to bring in Brian Carlson. Brian Carlson was a CEO here in Lincoln and just literally just felt called, literally almost overnight, to resign as a CEO and provide more counseling to the city of Lincoln. So we're going to have Brian on the show along with a couple of his uh, people joining him. 
Also, we're going to have Paul Yates in the second half of the show. Paul is from I've Got a Name. It's uh, you know their organization is a nonprofit that I am just deeply involved with about ending human sex trafficking here in Lincoln and across the state of Nebraska. Uh, just they do a great work in just ending this true evil, which just makes me so angry. And uh, Paul's going to you know share more about their work. We had a great fundraiser a couple of weeks ago to raise money and, and just bring awareness to all of us as listeners and to provide support as well. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, if you want to listen to the recording of the show, simply go to our podcast at KLIN.com and you can tune in. A huge thanks to today's guest, Tom Beckius, also Congressman Don Bacon. We appreciate them joining us. And obviously, thank you to Johnny Cadillac for producing the show. You've been listening to 1499.3 KLIN. We will see you back here tomorrow afternoon.